Hey there, my name is Roy and I'm the lead pastor here at Arthur Pentecostal Assembly. And we're so glad today that you've joined us for our online service. Today we're taking a little bit of a break from some of our, our series. We just wrapped up a series and we're about to launch into a Christmas series next week. But today I wanted to talk about this topic of water baptism and why it's important. Well, after a hearty Indiana rainstorm, all the potholes in the streets and the alleys were full and overflowing of water. And a young mother watched as her two little boys played in the, the puddles outside her kitchen window. Well, the older of the two, a five-year-old, he grabbed his sibling by the back of the head and he shoved his face right into the water hole. As the boy recovered and he wiped it off of his face, he stood up laughing and dripping. And the mother runs out to the yard in an absolute panic. Why on earth did you do that to your little brother? He, she said as she shook the, the older boy in anger. Well, we were just playing church, mommy, said the, said the older boy. He said, I was baptizing him in the name of the Father, the Son, and in the Holy Ghost. Well, today we're, we're looking at this idea of water baptism, baptism. And maybe you've been a Christian a long time and you're thinking, well, Pastor Ray, do we really need to, to spend a whole message on talking about this? I mean, don't people know what water baptism is? If you've been around church, you must know what water baptism is. Well, the truth is, there's lots of things in the church that we do that not everybody knows why we do it. And if you've been around long enough, you, you become hesitant to ask. Once you've, once you've been a churchgoer or a Christian for a long time and you're not sure of something, you, you don't want people to know that you don't know. Well, maybe in the past you've seen somebody baptized and you wondered, if, is that for me? Is that something I should do? Or you wondered, why did they do that? Or, or maybe, that's, maybe you thought that baptism was only for someone who had a rough past. So they needed like a, a do-over, a fresh start, or a refreshing. And so it was for them, but it's not for me. I remember when my daughter was, uh, Janelle was young and uh, she was getting, kind of getting to that age where we thought maybe, maybe baptism, water baptism, was, is you know, something that she should do at this point, and maybe it's, this is her time. And so our church had set a baptism date, and it was coming up, and we mentioned it to her. Would she like to be baptized? I remember she, just, she looked at us really confused, and, and she said, shouldn't I wait a little bit longer? Like, I don't think I've done enough sins to need them washed off of me yet. And we knew, oh, she's not ready yet. Because you really need to understand what it is you're doing. And maybe you have this incorrect idea of what ba water baptism is. Maybe you grew up in a different denomination or a different faith. And, uh, and the way they did baptism was different. You got sprinkled as a baby and you figured that that probably covered you. And, and I'm not going to put that down. Um, but here's the problem with that. You were a baby. You didn't fully understand what was happening. You didn't know enough to know what you were doing at that point in a pentecostal church as we are we, we don't do christenings or, or baby sprinkles we we do baby dedications which and that's more of a ceremonial event where the parents choose to publicly acknowledge that they would like to dedicate themselves and, and with the help of their church family in making sure that the child grows up with his, and enough support and resources around them to live a life that follows after jesus and it's a beautiful moment with a lot of meaning. But that child doesn't know what's going on. That child just looks around wondering why everybody's making such a big fuss and looking at them in this moment. 
See, baptism is a you decision. It is a you statement made by you and you only. But we get this wrong idea of what it is and what it isn't. See, other people believe that you're not saved until you're baptized, and then you're good. That you can go about living your life the way you want as long as you've been baptized. It's your insurance policy. I've seen this a few, more, a few times, especially at my old church. There were new people would come, and they seemed really eager to get involved in church, and they, they were very eager to get baptized. And so we were excited for them. They were, like, they were ready to take a next, the next step in their faith, and, and we, we want to be part of that. We were excited for them. And then we would baptize them, and then we'd never see them again. Because they falsely believed that once they were baptized, that, that's it. They were heaven-bound. But that's not biblical. And if it's not biblical, well, then it's just tradition without any merit. And we're a church that believes in the authority of the Word of God. So it's important to have an understanding of what you are doing. So that's my goal today, to create more of an understanding of what water baptism is and what it isn't. Water baptism is an outward sign of what's happening inside here. It's an action step. And I get it. It's, it's easier to come to church. It's easier to watch online and not get involved. It's easier to be a spectator. But that's not really following Jesus. It's watching others follow Jesus. And so baptism is an invitation to get out of your seat and come along and, and take an action step. It's, it's an action step that expresses who you follow and what you believe. And after you recognize that God has done something incredible in your life, after you've chosen to follow Jesus, baptism is an obedient step. Why is baptism important? Well, baptism was important to Jesus. You know what? And why I know that baptism was important to Jesus? Because when he's leaving the earth, baptism is part of his final instructions that he gives to his disciples. See, when you have a few seconds to give some last-minute instructions, you're always going to give really important instructions just as you're about to leave. As a basketball coach, I coached for many years, and I would often call a timeout, especially in a crucial spot in a game, and we get 30 seconds. Okay, i got 30 seconds to relay all the information I need to the players that are on the court right now, and... I might draw up a game plan, but it's 30 seconds. we got to go, go, go. And then the referee would blow the whistle saying the 30 seconds is up. Everybody back on the court. And I might grab them at the last second as they're going back. The last thing I say to them is the most crucial thing. Like, grab that rebound. Play tough defense. Did you hear me? Make sure you grab that rebound. Parents, it's the same thing for you. I mean, your kids are younger and they're walking out the door. Maybe they're walking to school on their own for the first time. And the, the older one's walking the younger one. And you give, there's lots of things. Do you have your homework done? Do you, have, do you have your lunch? All these things. These are all important things. But the last thing you say is, hey, make sure you look both ways. And don't take off on your brother. Do you hear me? Make sure you look both ways. It's like if you remember nothing else, remember this. So Matthew's gospel ends with these words. Jesus has died and he's returned. And then he's leaving them again. And he says this in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's like, boys, gather around. There's 30 seconds left on the clock. Eyes here. Look at me. Look at me. And he could have said a lot of things in this moment. He could have said, I want you to go and make disciples and build lots of big church buildings. 
Or, or he could have said, I want you to go and I want you to build these buildings and I want you to spend an hour in them each week and then you're good. But he didn't say that. He said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all the nations. And then he said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's like, listen, I know over the last three years I've taught you a lot of stuff. You've heard me say a lot of things. And hopefully you will remember my words. But more importantly, I trust that you live by my teaching and put your trust and your faith in me. But I need you to remember this. Go. Mobilize the good news. And when they believe, I want you to baptize them. You see, your actions say a lot about what you believe and who you are. You see, I can tell you that I'm a black belt in karate. I can wear the clothes. I can, I, I can, I can talk the talk. But it's not what I say. It's, it's an outward action that actually proves that I'm a black belt in karate. I need to, like, break boards or something. It, it's not the, not even the black belt makes me a black belt in karate. I can, I can talk like a black belt. I can dress like a back, black belt. Hanging around a dojo does not make me a black belt. Baptism is number one, an act of obedience. And number two, baptism is an outward declaration of your identity in Christ. Your identity is proved by action. You outwardly identify with Jesus at your baptism. And this started a long time ago. In the New Testament, we read about a man named John. Not, not John, the, uh, the disciple of Jesus, but John the Baptist. And John would travel around and would tell people about God. And he would, he, would, he would come in and he would preach to them. And everywhere he went, people would flock from everywhere to hear his words and hear what he had to say. And the crazy part is this. He preached the same message everywhere he went. And people came from all over. They ate it up. And he didn't preach a, a seven-part series. And he didn't use any stage props to get people's attention. And there was no worship team that played right before he, he spoke. There was no... There was smoke machine. There was, there was not, none of that. He just, he preached the same message with three points. Maybe that's my new plan. Maybe no more music. Maybe just one message, three points. Every time you tune in. Actually, I don't even, I'll just, just keep sending this message out over and over every week. But his message has three points. Number one, repent. Which basically just means turn away from your sin. Turn away from your wickedness. Turn away from your past. Number two, turn towards God. It's one thing to turn away from your sin, but sometimes we turn away from one sin to turn towards some, something else that's not good for us. And he says, no, 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 turn away from your, your sin. Turn towards God. And then he says, get baptized. That's it. And so he'd gather at the river and people would come and they'd flock and they'd hear him. He'd stand out there waist high in the river and he'd, he'd dive into this message repent turn towards god now let's dunk you under when you believe and the word he would use was baptizo this, this greek word that meant to immerse or submerge or cleanse by dipping or submerging and when you hear the word baptize or baptism i mean i think instantly especially in today's culture you instantly think of a church word it's kind of a churchy word a church ritual but that's not how John's audience heard it. Baptizo was not a church word. 
This was, this was a word that we took from their everyday culture. Baptizo meant to bathe or wash, go under the water. And so people would gather at the river to hear this message. And, but the river was already a gathering place for baptizo. Not the way John meant it, but they were already gathered there to bathe or gathered there to wash their clothes. There was already baptizo going on. And so when John tells them they need to be baptized, they understood that he was talking about something other than how they knew the word baptizo to mean. To be cleansed is like being new again. It's like if you take your dishes and you throw them in the dishwasher. I mean, they go in there and they're dirty. They got gunk on them. They're, like, they're nasty. But they come out and they're baptizo. They're, they're, they're like new. They're clean. They've been submerged. And so John invites people to come and leave their old life behind, turn from their sin, turn towards a God that cares about them, and be cleansed. Symbolically leave their old life behind in the water. Baptizo. And although they've been, obviously they'd been submerged before, they'd bathed before, they'd, they, 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 they'd already gone through this, they understood this was a public declaration. I want, to, I want to leave behind, there's a couple ways my life could go. And I want to leave behind the old way and I want to identify with God, not the whims of the world. And so people would re repent and they would walk out to, to John for him to baptize them in the water and they would publicly make a statement in front of all these people. From here on out, I live for God. Baptism is an outward expression of that decision to live for God. Now this year I've been married for 22 years to my wife Jen. And, I, and 22 years ago I made it an outward expression of my devotion to my wife when I married her in front of our friends and family at a church. Now can you imagine if for 22 years I didn't tell anyone about her? None of my friends knew I was married. I didn't wear a wedding ring because I don't want anybody to know. There's, you go on my Facebook profile, there's no pictures of her anywhere. There's, there's nothing, no idea that I'm married. I know some Christians that if you told their friends at work or, or at the coffee shop that they went to church on Sunday or that they identified as a Christian, their friends would be shocked. It's like they are secret agents for Jesus. No one knows their true identity. But when you fully realize the impact of grace, that despite the fact that I continue to sin and that I'm a work in progress, despite the fact that I was destined for a life separated from God, that God looked past my sin, that God looked past my greed and looked past my lies and my jealousies and, and my idolatry and past every part of me that's tough to look at in the mirror, and that he sent his son Jesus to die in my place so that I wouldn't truly get what I deserve, despite my flaws. How do, you not, how do you keep that to yourself? Why would you not want to tell people the good news? And that was the motivation for the people that gathered around John at the river. They would hear the news, of the, the message of the good news, and, and they wanted that life. They wanted people to know that there was a God that loved them more than anything. And it was a crossroads for them. They wanted to enter into a relationship with God, and they wanted everyone to know about their new life. And so person after person would have John baptize them in the river publicly. And that's how John got his name, John the Baptist. And people thought he was great. People thought John was, they thought he was a prophet. Some thought he actually was the Messiah that had been prophesied that would save them in centuries and centuries before. 
But John was only the warm-up act, and he knew that. Because one day, John switches up his three-point sermon, and he makes the following statement. He says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy to even be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with holy, the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he's telling them there's one to come. There's one to come who's greater than I am. And as he's telling them this, the one who was to come, comes. And Jesus shows up in the river and onto the pages of history. And he does the most unexpected thing. After John makes this big deal of who Jesus is and how great he is and how much greater he is than him, Jesus asks John to baptize him, which is kind of awkward. I mean, the text says that John tried to talk Jesus out of it. Now, imagine this for a moment. Imagine you're here at church, and after the service, there's, a, there's prayer all here around the, the front, and, 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 I, and I, I kind of call you over, and I say, hey, listen, I'm going to start praying for people down this end, and can you pray for people over here? And so you go over, over to, the, to my left, and you start praying for someone, and you just, you've got your eyes closed, and you've got your hands on their shoulder, and you're just praying for them. And then you move on from that person to the person beside them. You start praying for them, and, and it's powerful. And then you move on to the next person. And just as you're about to lay hands on the, the third person that you come to, you realize it's Jesus. And Jesus is standing right there at the front asking you for prayer. And you're like, what? I pray to you. I, I can't pray for you. I, I, I just can't. And that's how John's feeling in this moment. He says, Jesus, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? Then look at verse 15. But Jesus said, this is really, this is really important. Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. It should be done. Now you and I know Jesus is our example. And he basically answers the question right there. Do I need to be baptized? I mean, I've been saved for 40 years. It's probably too late, right? It should be done. Then the Son of God says, if you can do this, it should be done. See, God asks us to be baptized so that we publicly identify with him. This is so crazy. He doesn't ask us to do something he wouldn't do. He asked John to baptize him because he wants to identify with you. Not only so that you identify with him, but he wants to identify with you. As a sinner, as someone who is unworthy of the love of a king, he says, John, baptize me. I want to identify publicly with them. He didn't have to be baptized. He's God. He's God. He's sinless. I mean, what did John say? I baptize you in the name of you, you, and you? But Jesus is our, our example. He didn't need to be baptized. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins, so that we may be made right with God through Christ. Like, cleanse what? Repent from what? Turn towards what? He, he never sinned. He is God. But he loved us so much that he set that example. It's a defining moment. Baptism is a defining moment. 
If you made the choice to be baptized in the past, you know this is a moment that you'll never forget. But if you've never been baptized, it's something that you really should do. Because if you've been baptized, you know it's a defining moment, but it doesn't mean that you're not a work in progress. It was a defining moment where you came up out of that water and maybe you've sinned less than you used to. That's why we need to be transformed by the renewing. It's this continual process. But this moment, this moment is a flag in the ground type moment. A moment that happened for many people in the, in the Bible. There's a story in Acts chapter 8 where there's an Ethiopian eunuch, which is a, basically a treasurer from the Ethiopian royal palace. And, and after spending some time in Jerusalem, this eunuch gets his hands on the book of Isaiah. And, he, and he's riding home in his, in his carriage, and he's trying to make sense of the words as he's reading through Isaiah's words. And meanwhile, the Holy Spirit had instructed Philip, not, not the apostle Philip who was part of the twelve, but, but often Philip who's referred to as Philip the Evangelist. And the Holy Spirit had prompted Philip to head south of Jerusalem. And Philip obeys. And who does he happen to run into? Well, you might call it a coincidence, but Philip knew better. See, when you're, you're, when you're obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading, it's amazing the things that will happen to you that you just have a really hard time explaining to your friends. Then the Holy Spirit nudged him again. Acts chapter 8, verse 29, 34 says, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. And Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, Do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led to a sheep. He was led, led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So the so beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the, new, the, the good news about Jesus. Now, look at the eunuch's response. This is, this is really interesting. Verse 36, as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. Why can't I be baptized? I mean, I've heard the good news. I'm convinced that the kingdom of heaven is a hand, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And as an act of obedience, Jesus says that water baptism should be done. Look, there's some water. Do you notice what he didn't say? He didn't say, well, I don't like to get wet. I mean, I'd be embarrassed uh, doing this in front of everybody. I, just, uh, I don't like being in front of people. All my servants are here. This would be kind of embarrassing. I, I don't think I look good when my hair is wet. And so I don't, I don't want them to see me that way. I mean, what would people say if they... Now, he heard the good news and he said, Look, there's some water. I don't care what I'm wearing. I don't care what I look like. There's an urgency to make sure that I obey and I identify with the one who saved me. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are imprisoned for their faith. And while they're there, the book of Acts says that they were praying and singing hymns to God. And up to that point, all the prisoners and the, and the guards had heard them. And 
And I'm sure their words and their songs seem foolish because they're thinking, if your God is so good, if your God is so powerful, then why are you locked up in jail? If he was so good, why wouldn't he just get you out of here? That is until the God that they sang about brought the jail to its foundations, rocked it with an earthquake. And all the shackles fell off the prisoners. And the guard who was on duty that night woke up to notice that the jail was in shambles and the front door was wide open. And assuming everyone had escaped and that he would be tortured and killed for his incompetence, he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul and Silas stopped him, assuring him everyone was accounted for. And the power of God that they sang about became real to him in that moment. And so he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So then Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says, They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Paul and Silas shared the word of the Lord. And then in the middle of the night with his jail in shambles, he says, let's go. I need to be baptized. But more than that, I want my whole family to come with me. I want my whole family. I want them to hear the word of the Lord. I want them all to be baptized. It wasn't optional. It's like, if I can do this, it doesn't matter. I'm doing it right now. Side of the road, I'm doing it right now. Middle of the night, I'm doing it right now. Find me some water because I want to identify with Christ. Romans 6 tells us this is an action of renewal. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may live new lives. See, you go down into the water identifying with Christ in his death, but you emerge from the water identifying with Christ in his resurrection. You become a new creation. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. It's something about wearing new clothes. You, 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 come, you put on those new clothes the first time, you feel confident, you feel fresh. You're ready to take on the world. Galatians says, this is, this is better. This is better. Those that have been united in Christ in baptism have put on, on Christ to walk out the door. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. See, if you haven't been baptized, why should you be baptized? It's an act of obedience. Jesus said it should be done. It's an act of identification. It's symbolic action that says, I want to identify with Jesus. It's a defining moment. In your life, it's a moment of renewal. Today, if you're listening and you've made the decision to follow Jesus, but you haven't been baptized yet, I, I want you to be baptized. You've been a Christian your whole life and you haven't been baptized, it's your time. No one's going to think less of you because you're doing it, just got to doing it now. If you're a student, you haven't been baptized and you understand. You understand the decision to follow Jesus? It's your time to get baptized. You might be like, but Pastor Roy, are you telling me that if you're, I'm not saved if I'm not baptized? No. Because we know there's a, there's a story of a thief who hung on a cross beside Jesus. And you have time to get baptized. 
He didn't have the opportunity to get baptized. But by putting his faith in Jesus, he was, he was saved. But you do have the time, and you do have the opportunity, and Jesus said it should be done. Now, we're going to set a date very early in the new year to, for, a, for baptism, and if there's only one, we're going to celebrate like no other. I want you to consider getting baptized. It's a big step, and I want you to be ready. One last thing. If you're here this morning, you're listening today, and you haven't devoted your life to Jesus, I want that for you. Or maybe you were close to God at one time, but you've kind of walked away, and you want to rededicate your life. See, it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. God accounted for that. That when you put your faith in Jesus... He accounted for your past and your sin when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. He wants a new thing for you today. He wants renewal. So we're going to pray. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you can just pray with me. And then we'll end. Father God, today I, I want renewal. I want a new start. I want to identify with you, Jesus. And so, God, I put my faith, I put my trust in you, and I choose in this moment to follow you all my days. And so, God, I pray that you would come alongside me and, 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 and give me a, a new perspective. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.